the AZ Wildcats podcast partnered with BetMGM right here. Now, you might say to yourself, what could I do? What could BetMGM do for me? Well, I got the answer for you there, Brian. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM, use bonus code PHNX. There's a few different offers depending on where you live. But for our Arizona audience, you will get up to $100 in bonus bets on your first wager with BetMGM. Again, make sure you use bonus code PHNX. Check out all the show notes for details. And if you're looking for some advice from me, take the over in Arizona basketball games that Brian Jeffries will be calling because Tommy Lloyd's team score a lot of points. On that note, let's hear the disclaimer from Shane. Claimer 21 plus to wager. Visit betmgm.com for terms and conditions. U.S. promotional offers not available in Washington, D.C., Mississippi, Nevada, New York, and Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Colorado, D.C., Illinois, Indiana, Louisiana, Maryland, Mississippi, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Wyoming. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369. New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP-ARIZONA. 1-800-522-4700. Kansas, Nevada. 1-800-327-5050. Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF-IOWA. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help. Michigan. All right, now joined by the man we affectionately call the GOAT, the great Brian Jeffries, coming to us from his office. Hello there, Brian. Hello, Mike. I needed that number for New Hampshire. It was, they read it kind of fast. Could you repeat that for me? Um, yes, I can get you that whole read for you right there, Brian, but not right now. Now, I do apologize, though. Brian, I got a question. When you stand, you're a tall guy. When you stand up, is your ceiling uh, as tall as you are? Uh, no, actually, I'm in kind of a, I mean, around McHale Center, there, uh, some of them are referred to as slanted suites. Hmm. And so I am in a semi slanted suite. So I'm okay, as long as I don't go that way. Now, let me ask you a question. When the great, if, when the great Brody Dryden is in there, does he have more of an issue? Uh, he would have more of an issue. Yes. But you can make it into this area you just you don't want to go too far to my left because that's where the slant comes in probably you know right below where you see sit during the games right so, i got you yeah. right you're finishing up baseball right now i got a lot of people that wanted me to ask you some baseball questions right here first of all what is the grind like how is it different with baseball than as opposed to basketball and football obviously well, the tough thing about baseball is you play three games in three days as opposed to football where you get one game a week or basketball where without you know a few exceptions, you have a day off at least between games. So when you get in some of those basketball tournaments, you might play three games in three days, but that's once a year where baseball, it's every weekend you're playing three games in three days. And then oftentimes, uh, and usually we've got a midweek game. So it's a Tuesday or Wednesday followed by Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. So it is a grind. By Sunday, you you physically feel it. Uh, you know, I'm I'm not a player, so I know those guys probably feel it as well. Uh, coming off a game at, at Stanford on Sunday, when you know there was 41 runs scored between the two teams, I'm sure those guys are pretty tired, but uh, I can feel it too. I bet you didn't think you were going to be. I bet you didn't think you were going to be calling a football game essentially with a 21 <laughs> to 20 score. Well, I made the comment that. You know, the Wildcat football team opens its conference season at Stanford uh, on September 23rd, uh, literally across the parking lot from Sunken Diamond. And I thought if if Jed Fish walks out of Stanford Stadium with a 21-20 victory over the Cardinal, he's going to be a happy man. I would imagine he will be. Let's talk about Jed Fish. Brian, you're a pro because you led me into my next point right there. And you didn't even know that's how good Brian Jeffries is right there. Um, Jed Fish. 
everything that he said, and you, you've been around for a long time. I've been able to watch from afar for a while now. Every coach comes in with promises. They always say, you know, we're going to do this where nobody's going to out-recruit me. We're going to get bigger. Going back and looking at Jed Fish's opening press conference where he said, recruiting will be the lifeblood of our program. We will, we might lose out on kids, but we're not going to get out work for them. And we are going to put a bigger, stronger product on the field. And I am going to, we're going to embrace the community, alumni. Brian, you name it, he's done it across the board right there. And in this era of college football, that's something that we haven't always seen around here. Well, I think that I've said it many times, the man has more energy than anybody I've ever been around before, any coach at, at any sport. And I think he knew, first of all, that's his personality. So he didn't change just because he got the job at Arizona. Uh, but I think that is really been the, the, the springboard to what he's been able to do over the last couple of years. And that is take that energy, hire a staff that has that energy, attack recruiting, attack uh, the, the physical rebuild of the football program. It wasn't going to be an overnight success. And in some ways, you can't call it a success yet. Uh, but certainly the building blocks are there. The progress is tremendous. And there's no reason to think it's not going to continue. So I, I just go back to, you know, Jed's energy. I also think that you can keep in mind, Mike, as you well know, that, uh, you know, he's been in football now for 20 some years. Right. Uh, waiting for the opportunity to be a head coach. He's not going to let this get by without 120% effort because, you know, he wants to make this a success. And I think the other point you brought up, which is very important, and that is integrating himself and his staff and his players into the community. Uh, some coaches get hired. It might be a stepping stone for them. It might just be a stopover. They're always looking for the next job. And I don't think that's the case for Jed. Now, if he has the success that we think he's going to have down the road, he's going to be in demand and you know, then U of A is going to have to step up to keep him, which I hope they will. And I, I really think that he embellishes the the idea that he can make this into a very successful football program. And a lot of people don't think that that is going to happen. But based on everything I've seen from him so far, uh, he's not going to stop until he gets it done. All right. You talked about, you know, embracing the past and whatnot. Chris McAllister um, is about as good a football player as I've ever seen at the U of A. I mean, you talk about shutting down one side of the field. I can think of one bad play he had in his whole career here. Hadn't seen him, though, in two decades. Seeing Chris McAllister back, though, at that game to me was everything, Brian, because, again, a lot of alumni come back, and that's awesome. But when you get a guy that hasn't been here for 20 years in that mold, it just goes to show you, too, and there's a connection. The fact that he coached Chris McAllister, he's coached basically, or he's been on the staff with, uh, where Chris McAllister was with the Ravens. Jed Fish knows people and he gets relationships. Well, and I think bringing back the former players was very important. And that's, as you said, one thing that he really, when he arrived, that was one of his major goals because there was a disconnect. Let's be right. honest with a lot of the football alumni. They didn't feel welcomed back. Uh, and he understands the importance of that because you have well-known former Wildcats, and of course they like to be known always as Wildcats. Yeah. They live all over the country. They have great connections themselves. And when it comes to recruiting, that's what it's all about. It's about relationships. And so you have great relationships with your, your players that have been through this program. They're going to spread that word wherever they might be. And so Chris is just the, the latest, latest example of a lot of guys that have come back because Jed has invited them back, asked them to be part of it. 
uh, ask their advice. How do you, how can you help me? How can I help you, et cetera? And so I, I think those relationships are leading to some of the success we've already seen, and in particular in recruiting, because like I said, those guys, and you know, I run into them on the road once in a while. Right. And it's uh, amazing over the last couple of years now, uh, the, the energy that they have back towards the Arizona football program. Now, they want it to be successful. They've always wanted it to be successful. I just don't feel like they've been asked to assist in that area the way that they've wanted. And now they have been asked, and, and they're you know, breaking their you-know-what in order to try and help the Wildcats get better. Well, Brian, your partner in crime, Lamont Lovett, I thought put it best a while back where he said, you know, he came up to me and he said, or and other guys, and he said, listen, I don't have all the answers. I mean, you guys, you're ex Division One football players. I'm not I'm not an ex Division One football player. You guys know what you're looking for. So that door is always open. And Lamont said, I've knocked on that door a few times. Yeah. And, and I can't tell you how important that is. And every player that I've run into, and I haven't, you know, talked to all of them certainly, but like I said, every once in a while, I'll run into a guy that uh, had played at Arizona. It's just, it's a totally different uh, atmosphere now, and you can just see it in the way they talk about, you know, their love for the Wildcats and the success they want to see happen, and they're willing to help out any way they can. The current landscape of college athletics, you need help in a lot of different areas, right. Mike, and. You know, recruiting is one of them. And so having those relationships that Jed has has forged with the players, I think, is one reason why you see uh, the recruiting base continuing to grow. Brian, you're on the road a lot, obviously, when you're calling games. Have you ever been to a Circle K when you've been on the road? Uh, if it is convenient, yes. The, hence the convenience store. It is a convenience store, and that's why if it's convenient, yes, I will stop there. All right. Well, that is a plug right there. There is a chance if you go to Circle K, you could run into the GOAT Brian Jeffries there. Make sure you're not missing out on all the great stuff right here. Right now, text PHNX to 31310 to join their SMS subscriber club and get a buy one, get one free 32-ounce Polar Pop. Again, CircleK.com slash store locator to find Circle K's near you. Brian, they're all over town. You could go down to Oracle and Grant and find one, or you could go up into the ritzy areas. They're here for the people by the people, Brian Jeffers. Okay. I, I appreciate your advice very much. Do you have that number for New Hampshire, by the way? Um, 1-800, I will tell you after the show. <laughs> okay. So Jed Fish then, um, the other thing he said is we're going to get bigger. He said, you know, obviously there's a place for guys who aren't as big, um, but – you know, if I'm going to miss, I'm going to miss big. And you've called those games, and this is with all due respect. I mean, Parker Zellers was a good player, but you've seen lines where, you know, you got 250-pound, 260-pound tackles. Now when you look at this, um, you're looking at guys that are 315 pounds. You're looking at guys that are 330 pounds. Just across the board, it feels like it's about a 60% jump in weight right there. Well, and I think that if you're looking at maybe the missing piece as to what the next step has to be for this team, this program to make that next step up, uh, that's where it centers. And coaches will tell you all the time, that's the toughest thing to recruit, those linemen, because everybody wants them. And there's there's only a finite number that uh, are, are great linemen, be it offensive or defensive. I think the offensive line has been rebuilt. They've done a nice job. Uh, as Jed has said, you know, they spent a lot of effort into their offense a year ago going into this season now. They put a lot more uh, emphasis on their defense. That has shown up in the recruits they brought in and, again, growing the size there. And, yeah, to be honest, 
and, and Mike, it's no secret, and you just alluded to it, and the fact that Arizona's defensive front has lacked size, and it has been for quite some time. It's you know, it's something that Jed inherited, and right. now he's had to go out and rebuild. And like I said, that may be the, the toughest position to go out and find your five-star guys because everybody wants them. They want those five-star defensive linemen. And so if you can't get a bunch of five, if you're not Georgia, then what you do is you have to find guys that you can develop into that. And I, again, I think that's one thing that they've started to do, and we've seen some progress there. But in order for the Wildcats to make that next step, and I keep using that those two words, next step, I, I think that is the critical area now is that defensive front. And if they, if they can get some depth, I know they've added depth there, and if they can add some size to that, and we'll see how it, it fares this fall, then I, I think Arizona's got a tr- great chance. What I'm excited about, too, is that this staff has done, obviously, a really good job of finding under-the-radar guys. You look at it last year, and yes, yes, Keon Bars um, and uh, Paris Shan got minutes, but they were also starting to lose out a little bit to some of the younger guys. Uh, you know, a Jacob Kangaika, a Tai Tai Uyagalele. You mix them in in year two with a big Bill Norton, 330 pounds of him from Georgia. You bring in an, a, a Taylor Upshaw from Colorado, or, excuse me, Colorado via Michigan. You also still got a Tia Savea back. There's a lot of bulk on this line here and like i tell people all the time it doesn't matter georgia football right now is a different level of football that you're trying that arizona is obviously trying to get to so just because a guy didn't have eight sacks at georgia doesn't mean that he can't be a really impactful player at the u of a well you've got 11 positions there to work with and so you can't put too much emphasis on one position it's just that that's what arizona has lacked and so uh, i agree i think that they they have added depth on the defensive front uh, they've added size, and the guys they brought in, they're, they've got them in the weight room. They're getting bigger. They're getting stronger, and that's what it's, it's all about. In the Pac-12, and this is my view, Mike, is that if you have a good defense and an and outstanding offense, you're going to win most of your games. And I think that's where Arizona now, we know the offense has got the capability of putting up right. numbers. And now if that defense can progress to the point where it's good, Okay, it's it's if there are 12 teams and Arizona's in the top six defensively, then guess what? They're probably going to win more than they lose this year and and go to a bowl game. What's it like for you seeing Dwayne Aquina back out there? You know, I haven't had a chance to talk to him. Uh, I'm looking forward to that. I just didn't get a chance to get out to spring ball very much because of uh, of were you busy? Uh, But having a guy with his experience, uh, not only at Arizona, but just his his mind, his football mind, has only been a plus for the program. And and that's why you know, the, the staff that Jed has hired, uh, and I think he, he, I know he gives them a lot of credit. I don't know how many people outside understand the talent that he has assembled uh, in right. those coaching offices uh, over there at Lowell Stevens. I mean, there are some brilliant minds there, and, and that's another reason why this program has progressed the last couple of years as quickly as it has is because it, it's more than the head coach. I'll give Jed all the credit in the world because he's the guy that hired them. Right. Uh, but he knows. And some coaches are, you know, they're afraid to hire somebody that might be smarter than them. And Jed's not right. that way. He wants the best guys he can get in there. And, and all of them have contributed in great ways. 
All right, Brian, I'm going to tell you about something, a tap and bottle that's happened before. And this happened multiple times. We have a, a regular that comes here, but he listens to Brian Jeffries. He's a smart man. He listens to Brian in Lamont on the radio. So he goes there and he listens to you guys as he watches all the away games at tap and bottle with us. That's how cool he is. Brian, that is called thinking ahead right there at the downtown or the Northwest location. And Again, that makes sense. You listen to the GOAT, and you can watch it on TV with some other people right there. Brian, he's got good taste. Is uh, Now, is that a, considered a convenience store, or we <laughs> – It's a um, – let's see here. Tap and Bottle, I would say it's a one-stop shop. Maybe not a convenience store, but a one-stop shop for all the things. Four Peaks as well, Brian, as you know, the official brew of PHNX Sports. Really? Okay. All right. Just wanted to throw I, that out there. I, I know I'm getting those – gifts on the way as a guest right oh uh, well i tried to give you i had another i still have another seafood thing for you by the way okay for this summer so well uh i will get you that though okay. uh, by the way did you check it you haven't checked out the one in vegas yet right uh i will be there in july so i'm i'm it's already on my list Brian, we expect a full review, and I need you to be – Brian, you're bluntly honest all the time. We need a full review on this. All right, you got it. Okay. Now, moving over to the offensive side, you talked about getting bigger. Big Jonas Savanea um, came in, and uh, Jed Fish essentially said this guy is just kind of a freak of nature. He's moved over to the tackle position now after being a freshman All-American guard. Brian, you've uh, you've seen a lot of offensive linemen that have come through here and have played a long time in the NFL think this is probably going to be another one of those guys. You know, I still have on my phone, if you'll remember during uh, fall practice, uh, after each practice, uh, players would come over to, to be interviewed by the media. And uh, Joseph was one of the guys that stopped by one day and I snapped a picture of him. And I, I still see it on my phone once in a while because I marvel. I said, now, wait a minute, this is a freshman. <laughs> right. And I, I saw the, the first, the, just the size he had. And then to find out, you know, how advanced he is uh, football-wise as a freshman, I said, wow, this kid's got a chance to be really special. Because believe it or not, uh, coaches will tell you that's a really tough position to come in and play. If you're 18 years old, right. to be able to do that and do that well, it doesn't happen off that often. And so he's got a very bright future. And that's a, a major part of Arizona's front is to have a guy like that. And just imagine now how far he has come in one year. What's exciting, too, is you look at a lot of the best teams in school history. You know, a lot of people always bring up 94, 98. Those teams were littered with NFL players right there. That's generally what you want to get. You just look on the Arizona offensive line, and we'll get to the skill guys here in a second. Jordan Morgan showing up on a lot of first-round lists. Obviously, he's got to continue to rehabilitate. Um, excuse me, Jonas Savanea as well. you got some younger guys on there. The fact that Arizona is now looking, has guys that you're like, man, I could see him in the league. I could see him in the league. That, to me, is a real testament just to the uh, – you know, to the level of improvement right there. Because, I mean, you've called games with Arizona teams where there have been 15 NFL guys out there. Yeah, you know, I have a different viewpoint on it, uh, Mike, and, and maybe I'm just too innocent about it. But uh, I know everybody wants to play in the NFL. I mean, I, I, there's very few players that you run into that don't have that dream. But right. you know what the percentages are, right. how few actually get there. And so I love the idea, uh, the old-fashioned idea of uh, a guy coming to college to play college football. And you know what? If he gets a chance to get to the – if he improves and gets a chance to go to the NFL, great. Love it. I, I wish them all the best. Uh, but I like the idea that guys come and say, I want to be the best college football player I can be. Right. And whatever happens, it happens. And, and there's that thing called a degree to get. And there's so much that – you know, one thing that I hear – 
more than anything from all different uh, student athletes that I enjoy hearing the most is how they've grown as a person right. once they arrive on campus and what the coaches have done for them in terms of being you know, a grown man or a grown woman. Uh, I enjoy hearing that as much as I hear, uh, you know, I hear from the guy that, hey, you know, I, I want to play for what NFL team or I want to be a, a first round draft pick. That's my goal. It's great to have that goal. But uh, I love the idea that you've still got the, the mentality that you're a college football player. You're playing for the love of the game. Right. And if you can accomplish that as your first goal, then you know, maybe the NFL is out there for you because if you have that love of the game, I remember you know, other coaches have said it, but you know, Dick Tomey was probably the first guy that I ever remember talking to me about the love of the game and that you have to, in, in football, and maybe more so than another sport because of the physical nature, you have to love the game of football to be successful at it. Right. Some guys play it because they're a, a great athlete or they're big whatever and they may be talked into playing it but if that's in your heart to play great football you're going to be a success right yeah and i think of it too kind of from that family atmosphere that obviously tommy fostered as well and we had chester burnett on one time and chester burnett said the thing he said listen he said you know I'd love my kid to play in the NFL, but I want him to enjoy his college experience and I want him to be around a staff that um, that appreciates that. And he said, I was sold on this staff when they were recruiting him more after he already committed, you know, by finding out what his favorite movies are, um, what he, you know, a minor that he might want to look at possibly as an upperclassman. He said things like that. He said, I wasn't hearing from other schools. And he said, and at the end of the day, he said, I want my kid to enjoy that. And I, I always think about that, Brian, when that's brought up about enjoying that college experience. Yeah, and, and I think that's so important. And, and that's why this program is growing, because you've got guys in the program that have that the, the love of football and the love of playing college football in particular. Right. Okay. Now, let's talk about the skill position players. Jacob, we're going to put that graphic up here in a second. But first, um, let's talk about FOCO. All right, Brandon Sanders has come on this show with a FOCO hat, a U of A hat that he got through FOCO, Brian, right there. And again, Brandon, one of the best safeties we've ever seen here. FOCO always has our back for Arizona sports, and they have your back too. Get the best gear around by visiting www.foco.com and use code word PHNX for all non-presale items. Use promo code PHNX for 10% off. Okay, Jacob, can you put up the skill position guys right there that we got um, or that Arizona's got is the, at the pass catcher position? This, this is exciting to me right here, Brian, which you're going to be able to call. You're going to have a sophomore T-Mac who at the spring game absolutely just killed it. Um, then you got Jacob Cowing. We all know what he can do. You got Tanner McLaughlin. You got a whole bunch of new receivers as well. There's a lot to work with with for Jaden Delora and Jed Fish right there. Yeah, and I think uh, a couple things that that stand out to me. We know about uh, we know about T Mac. We know about Jacob. We know what they can do. Uh, building depth at that position, I think, is going to be really important because. If you've got two outstanding receivers, and Arizona does, but uh, then you know defenses can start to concentrate on those two guys, and so they need to find that third and fourth receiver. I think that's going to be really important this fall, and they've got some talent on the roster, and I think there's some guys that are ready to step up, and I'm excited to see who they are. I think I just think that's it's vital that they find that third or fourth guy now uh, that that right. will take some of the the pressure off uh, T-Mac and Jacob. Tanner McLaughlin, 
I think he has a chance to be one of the best tight ends. No, Say not it. in the Pac-12, in the country. I agree. I really do. I, I marvel at that kid. I love his story. I love the fact that you know he's he was from Canada and he didn't know much about American football and and you know was sitting in Pullman, Washington, watching Arizona and Washington State play and and said, yeah, I'd like to play for Arizona someday. And and you know it took a, a long road to get there, but you know just I remember the first time I met him last year. I thought this kid is something else. He's got a great personality very positive and on top of that very talented I, uh, I I don't think people realize how good he could be and probably will be this fall I Brian I couldn't agree with you more and anytime I agree with you I generally feel that I'm right because I'm agreeing with you right there now for disagreeing it's probably a different story right there now let's get to a little bit of Arizona basketball here Tommy Lloyd not sure if you know this or not Brian Tommy Lloyd is the wingiest coach in college basketball history through his first two years if you want to steal that stat and use it on the broadcast if you haven't heard it feel free hang on First two years winning. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> but on a, on, a, on a serious note, though, you're two years in. Um, obviously, you know, um, got to work some things out in the tournament. But, man, it just feels like Arizona basketball is back. And what I like watching him, though, is – he know he knows and he'll acknowledge too at times he'll say listen i i, I got to figure some things out as well i'm still a young coach but man you talk about a dude that just gets it brian that just gets basketball that gets people that's tommy lloyd well the the thing that stood out to me and it was really before his first season and that is talking to the players and how much they enjoyed the style of basketball that he was teaching them and it's a style that, that young players like to play. They like to get up and down. They like to score points. Uh, and they don't mind playing defense either. And Arizona was able to do that. And so right. uh, I think that's the biggest key to me is the fact that he's drawing in players that that understand the style of play that, that he has implemented. They want to be part of that. And right. that's why they've been, you know, one of the reasons they've been successful, I think, over the first couple of years is is based simply on that fact. I'm excited to see Kylan Boswell now with the keys to that Ferrari right there. Um, you know, wish Kerr nothing but the best. Um, I think sometimes, you know, the changes can always be good for both sides right, right there there but Arizona's got uh Kylan Boswell and you saw as I mean you saw up close obviously as the season went on and he was getting more and more comfortable he started becoming a knockdown shooter he started uh, exerting himself 28 minutes a game of Kylan Boswell sign me up Brian Jeffries well you know he's still only 18 years old and and think of how far he's come so far and I remember Tommy Lloyd saying last year remember he came in he was not 100% healthy when he arrived and and Tommy had said I'm going to take it easy on you for the first couple of months but by January uh you know no more Mr. Nice Guy and uh and I mean that in the right sense where he started to push Kylan more once conference play rolled around full-time in January and you could see the talent starting to come through and as Kylan gained more and more confidence we know his skill level is is tremendous but so much when he's 17 years old and trying to, to build that confidence, you could see it grow throughout, I think, January and February in particular. So, yeah, he's got a great future ahead of him. Uh, he is going to be one of the acknowledged leaders of the team now come this uh, fall. Uh, there's, you know, other talent around him. It's not uh, a one. And I think that's one thing, even though Azulis Tabellis was the leading scorer on this last year's team. Um, I really felt that it was a balanced ball club that you right. could depend on other guys. And I think that's important, especially in Tommy Lloyd's system, because of the ball movement that he requires. 
uh, where he wants all five guys to be touching that ball. And, you know, you, you have the ability to take a shot if it's a good shot. Uh, you don't depend on one guy. And so even though Kylan is, like I said, he's the knowledge leader going in this fall, which I think uh, he should be. Right. Uh, but I don't think all the weight should be on his shoulders. I think it's very important that it, they remain a balanced club. And they'll probably be a more balanced team than they have been the last couple of years. Yeah, and honestly, I, I'm excited to see a little bit of the uh, kind of the toughness factor in there as well. Because, again, you got Kylan Boswell. You're bringing in Jaden Bradley, who they recruited, kid out of Alabama. Um, and then you got Pella Larson back, and then you got Umar Ballo. As a matter of fact, Jacob, if you could pull up that roster right there, check this graphic out right here, Brian. Check how cool this thing is right here. Um, so you got Boswell, you got Ballo, you got uh, Pella Larson, uh, Jaden Bradley down there. Henry Vasar is a big wild card as well. There's a lot to like. There's a lot of room for potential improvement right here, Brian. The, the two guys that I'm looking at most right now is Henry Vasar and Dylan Anderson. Mm-hmm. Uh, a, because of their size, and B, just their raw skill level. And watching them last year in practice, I remember early on, uh, you know, Vesar stood out to me, but Dylan Anderson works so hard. I think his upside is tremendous. And now you give, you know, those two guys an offseason with Chris Rounds and ability to develop. Uh, I think, to me, those might be the two key guys going into the next year because they could pay major dividends based on their size and their different skill sets. You right. know, I still think Vesar is a, a very good face-up shooter. Uh, you know, that's where you know he kind of honed himself early on. Now, uh, in the in, in Tommy Lloyd's system, is that going to be his best spot? I don't know. That's you know the coach can tell you better than that. But uh, but but Henry and Dylan are two different types of players, even though. Physically, they've got some of the same attributes. I just really think that, though, to me, those are the two names that I'm circling right now, saying if they make the improvement during the offseason that I think they're going to, uh, that really bodes well for Arizona for a couple of reasons. One, it you know it takes some pressure off Umar Ballo as your your big man inside because those two guys can help him out there, and also think of the size that Tommy Lloyd could put on the floor uh, with those two guys, and you know you include right. Umar. Uh, who knows, you know, the different combinations they could use. So I, I'm excited about Henry and Dylan in particular. Now, Brian, you look at U, U of A's out of conference schedule next year. And uh, thanks, Jacob. You can take that one down now. Um, you look at uh, um, out of conference schedule. You ready to go to Cameron? <laughs> uh, it's a great place. I know I'm, we've been there once before. Right. Uh, it's one of the iconic arenas. It's uh, it's it's strange because it's so small. Right. And uh, you don't realize how small it is until you're actually in there. And I remember going and I, I don't know if they've made any changes, but uh, the you broadcast from the roof. You're literally hanging from the roof and you climb a ladder to get up there. That's how I remember uh-huh. our visit earlier. And I think they've made some changes, but just the same. That's it's part of the mystique, I think, of going to Cameron Indoor. And so, uh, yeah, that's. And it's going to be a really tough schedule. I mean, you got Alabama, you got Duke, you got Michigan State. I mean, my goodness. Right. Uh, and, you know, they still haven't, you know, finished the entire schedule yet. So uh, they've got some challenges ahead. You've called games all over, obviously, from Fog Allen to the Dean Dome to uh, Cameron Indoor Stadium. I mean, heck, the pit back in the day. Is there one place that stands out for you, or are they all just kind of their own little entities? Uh, yeah, they're all different. Uh, you know, Cameron Indoor because of again the compact nature of the building. Right. Um, you know, Fog Allen Fieldhouse. 
you know, Kansas fans won't like me for this because I've debated with them before. I mean, it's got great history. To me, it's right. kind of like Poly Pavilion, where if you take away the banners, it's just a building. I'm sorry. Right. You know, right. it's uh, to, now, have they made some changes since we were there? I don't know. But I just remember I thought, well, it's, it's an older building, and uh, there was just a lot of quirks to it that kind of surprised me. But it's kind of like Poly Pavilion, who hang those banners up there in the history of the program, and that's what makes it special as opposed to uh, Cameron Indoor, where, you know, even without the banners, that would be a, you know, kind of a neat place to go into just because of the way it was built. Does it kind of have um, a Hoosiers type feel to it? Yeah, I, I don't know if I, I, I wouldn't say that uh, necessarily. Um, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it, it's, I just keep thinking, I go back to the size. That's right. all. It just, to right. me, Based on that program, you know, you think if you're going to have 19,000 and not 9,000. I mean, playing at the Ding, the Dean Dome was, um, you know, their fans are not as rabid. I mean, they they fill the place, but it's not an intense atmosphere there. It's a more of a modern building, I think. Right. And it's just different. Uh, I wish that uh, there's two places I would love to go that we've never played, and that's uh, Rupp Arena. And uh, and going to Assembly Hall at, at Bloomington. Those are the two that I would love to go to someday and broadcast a game from, just because again of the history behind them. Brian, that's on the Brian Jeffries bucket list right there. You should yeah. talk with Tommy Lloyd and tell him that we need to get this done. <laughs> well, I remember. I mean, I know they Kentucky and Arizona have talked for years, right? And it's just it has never worked out, right? And uh, I don't know about Indiana. I know that, uh, you know, playing them last year in Las Vegas, maybe that opened the door. Maybe there's a home and home coming up between the two. It only makes sense. I mean, there's right. just programs that you need to play. And that's why getting Duke back on the schedule like this, I think, is really important to, uh, you know, you have two of the, the, you know, historic programs in college basketball. You need to play not on a regular basis, but, you know, once in a while. I think it's great for everybody. All right, we need to get to now what Brian does in the off-season. And again, off-season, I'm putting in air quotes because Brian's always working. But first, got to tell you, become a PHNX diehard today. Here's what you do. Go to HTTPS backslash PHNX Locker to grab your membership to receive exclusive content, discount on all events, merch, and access to Discord chats, all kinds of stuff going on here. Um, again, PHNX diehard, check it out. All right, Brian, you're... Let's say, what does Brian Jeffries then do from, say, June to July? Well, a lot of it depends on baseball. When you're not so, in Omaha looking for seafood, what are when, you doing? When, we're not, when you're not in Omaha, and so uh, I can't make any plans for June until I know the disposition of the baseball team. And right. even this year, where you know they haven't had a banner season by any means, but guess what? If they go win the Pac-12 tournament, then they're headed to a regional the following weekend. And so everything in the month of June is always on hold for me. It's, uh, you know, last minute, okay, what can we do? Uh, July, then, uh, you know, I can always book July. And, you know, we've already got some plans, get up to the mountains, get to the beach, et cetera. Uh, I do. Uh, I mean, people think that I, I don't work those months. I do. Uh, I actually do prep work for the, the next year. And I right. start with baseball. So, uh, I will actually, uh, I've got, you know, file on every team Arizona plays, and I will go in and go team by team and update those files. Right. Because the seasons for me run together. 
Right. And so I can, I don't have time between basketball and baseball to do all that work. So I do it during the summer. And the same thing with basketball. I don't have time between football and basketball to prep for the basketball season. So I will build my file. And we mentioned Duke and Michigan State. I will spend the summer building a file on those two teams. So I know their history, uh, everything about them that is known at the time. And, of course, things can change by the time we play them. But to have all that background ready to go, I'll do the same for football because football is uh, is a very intense week every week after week after week. I mean, to, to prep for a game and all the, the the players that go into it. So, you know, I do a lot of that during the summer, but I'm I'm not going to kid you, Mike. Yeah, we get away. We have to get away because for nine months it's go, go, go. Brian, if you're on the beach, you don't need to be working on your game notes. Is that no, we, no, that would never agree on this, right? I, I would not be married right now if that was the case. Because <laughs> at the end of the day, again, you had a lovely wife. You got to be able to take some time off right there for her as well. Yeah. So, but no, and, and we've already talked about it. We've already got some plans uh, for uh, end of July and into August uh, before camp start, football camp starts. And like I said, June, uh, if things don't work out, and I hope they do, uh, I hope we're busy playing baseball. But if not, you know, we'll get away. And you are going up to Vegas, you said, sometime this summer? Well, the uh, Pac-12 has moved the football media day to Las Vegas. Uh-huh. Now, I think it's the third, I want to say the third week in July now. It's always, it's been held, held in the uh, the Los Angeles area for quite some time. And uh, they're moving to Las Vegas. So uh, that's where the commissioner lives. And of course, they've, uh, you know, they no longer have a headquarters in the Bay Area anymore, and so they can do it anywhere they want. And it only makes sense. That's where the championship game is played right? for football, so they're going to have it there. So uh, I may need to go early uh, just to do some legwork, you know, to, mm-hmm. you know, get my feet on the ground, you know, jet lag, all that. And you want to make sure that you're well-nourished during that time with seafood. That's, that's right. And I told <laughs> you I already have it. It's on my list. All right, cool. Brian, as always, really appreciate you coming on, my guy. And again, that office is cool right there. I like it. I just didn't. It still looks like you would hit your head, though, if you stood up because you're a tall guy. Oh, no. If I stand up, I'm okay. I'm All right, let's see it. Oh, all right. All right. Appear Now, Now, how, how far do you have to go over until you hit your head? Uh, I'm probably out of view, so I'm... Oh, I, we can see it. Is that where it is? That's it. All right. All right. Brian, I would not have to worry about hitting my head in there. I can guarantee <laughs> you that. But, all right. As always, Brian, like I said, um, always a privilege to have you on and uh, take care of yourself this summer. We'll be in touch. Mike, send me that number for New Hampshire, uh, the website for uh, the, was it Tap and Bottle website? Yeah. Or oh, and FOCO, if you want to get some new that merchandise. Too. And uh, map to convenience stores in my neighborhood. Okay, absolutely. Maybe when you're going to, uh, now do you and Brody ever go and hit some balls at the range? Uh, I can't keep up with him. It's kind of embarrassing. Right. So. Uh, I will. Um, but he plays I a lot. Carry cl- I'll carry his clubs. Right. It is funny. I've got a couple of friends that go to the same course that he has, and I've gotten a few pictures over the year of Brody at the driving range, also bringing his bell, uh, balls around as well. So, But you know what? When you're playing a lot, Brian, we don't expect you to be able to shoot the same score that he does. Uh, no, it's not even – it's not close. <laughs> He's Brian Jeffries again. Thanks, Brian. I'm Mike Luke. You've been listening to the Thanks, AZ Wildcats podcast.